Welcome again, Christmas morning, to all those that are in the house here and those that are in your house. Um, I've got some little ones and families right now. We didn't even try to get it together early this morning because when they got to G Paul's house, it was going to be pure pandemonium. And I'm going to see to it that it is. So <laughs> I'll be the one causing it, and I don't mind because it's in my house and we're going to have a good time. And I said, I don't want to just try to do that and blow in and blow up and blow out. I'm like, no, we're going to blow up and stay there a while and then float on it a little bit. And so uh, we celebrate that. Just a couple of quick reminders to everybody what we have going on. Here it is. The greatest, one of the greatest days in human history that we get to celebrate it together. And um, just really a few things I do want to thank. I don't know if y'all realize, but there were people that got blessed as a result of efforts of cookies. Uh, Miss Delma Moran just shared with me about how the inmates over there and the guards, the, 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 the sheriff's department, how they were blessed that somebody cared about them during this time. Also, a thing in your bulletin, there's I had a group of sixth graders from all over. I lead a small group with a gathering place. It's through uh, a 707. We meet at 7 in the morning on Thursdays. And um, I had them meet here for a Christmas party. And I said, look, before we do basketball, before we do dodgeball, before we do cookies, before we do Chick-fil-A nuggets, before we do any of that, we're going to pack cookies. And man, they went at this thing like it was nobody's business. In pure sixth grade boy fashion, they start, number three, that's my third bag. Okay, that's my fifth bag. I, I, I did 12, I did 11, it's my 11th one. <laughs> Y'all, I'm telling you, it's things like that during the season that you just gotta celebrate and love that they got to do that. And then I, the beautiful thing about that, I got, I, I don't know all their parents, but I got these thank yous, uh, emails saying, Thank you for encouraging them and having that impact in their lives and what it meant for them to be there. And so um, having a great time during this year. A few other things real quickly. Next uh, Sunday is January 1st. <laughs> I just want to encourage you. I know uh, December 31st is the day before January 1st. And I know some people like to uh, <clears throat> celebrate January 1st on December 31st. And so they're all into it. They're celebrating. But let me just say, if you can't make the first one, you can't make them all. So, hey, you want to make sure in your party plans and in what you're doing, um, be prepared uh, for January 1st. Also, it's the first Sunday of the month, which means we're going to do baptism. And so I've already got a couple people that have said, Man, what better day to dive into the water and to go in and say, I'm, I'm, re, I'm reuniting and re, recommitting my life to Christ. And I'm going in the waters of baptism just to say, I'm starting this thing out off the go. I'm going to start out, Jesus, I belong to you and you belong to me. And so we've got baptism next Sunday morning. And we want to encourage, if you know somebody or you're saying, hey, I've been thinking about it. January 1st is a great day to start your year off. If you haven't done that yet, and remember, we just simply baptism in a way of us going public with a very, very private decision that nobody can accept Christ for you. They can pray for you, but you are the one that says, Jesus, I've looked at all this. I've seen everything. I recognize my stuff and my junk, and I realize you paid for it all. I accept you as my Lord. And then Jesus said, at some point, you have to go public with that very private decision. And so... That's what uh, next Sunday we'll be doing that. And so um, 
One thing that um, I love to do here is we don't have children's church, by the way. We have children's church right now because we're all children. We're having children in church. <laughs> and we got all the children in church this morning. I got some of my little sweet ones right over there. And uh, they may come help me preach. I don't know. We'll see if they feel so <laughs> could, could have fun doing that. So um, they'll be in the service. But one thing we love to do that I love to do, and that is we get to worship God with our giving, which is this day we celebrate God giving us the greatest day ever. And so we can do that a number of ways. We can do that. We have receptacles at the back. You can give through that. And the, uh, you can give that way or you can give online. It's not the mode or the means, but it is the... The attitude of the heart is what Paul said. It's what's in here, not what's in my wallet. Like my heart is the thing that controls my wallet. And what's in my heart will determine how generous or how um, <clears throat> other things it will be. And so we, we believe that God is a generous God. He's given us everything. And so we encourage, that's one of the things we get to do is worship him that way. And I want to pray for us right now. And then I'm going to dive right into our wonderful time together in the word and uh, look at joy to the world. So Father, I do thank you for everyone here in this auditorium, those online that are watching, those that will watch later. Lord, thank you that you have. Lord, as we looked at last, uh, last week, love always gives. Lord, you've given to us. Lord, in John three sixteen, for you loved us so much that you gave us your son so that we could have life and have your life and have it forever. And so, Lord, I thank you that uh, you are the initial giver. And through your gift and through your graciousness, we're able to do that as well. And in so doing, Lord, we're able to help people come to know you in a very real way. Lord, we're able to help them through relationships, help them find freedom from past uh, habits and hang-ups. And, Lord, then we're also able to help them discover just how gifted you've made them, Lord. Thank you that your gifts and callings, Lord, they're without repentance. You give them to us anyway. But, Lord, how joyful it is and how beautiful it is when we discover them and realize, man, you love to use us to make a difference in other people's lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and continue to do. We thank you to, for blessing everyone who's given of their time, their talents, their resources, their treasures, Lord, I ask you to multiply it back to them in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, as we go over your word and look at this thing of a joy to the world, Lord, I thank you that, that Lord, you would just, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would implant that joy, that it's, a, it's an abiding um, sense that everything's going to be all right. It's not just a fleeting emotion, but it's a, it's a knowing that God, you're good, and you've got this. So, Lord, I thank you for it, and I ask you to bless our time together. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. And so we have. We've gone over three. We're in our, we, we are, excuse me, but I got to do it, wrapping up our, <laughs> sorry, I had to do it when I was looking. We are wrapping up our uh, last um, uh, part of our series, which is Mary and Bright. And uh, we have a trailer, but we're, we're saving time this morning for you, for me, because I got grandbabies coming. But we're wrapping this up, and we've looked at three, uh, we've already looked at three virtues that every believer should have and have them operating because God gives them to us. And the first virtue we looked at was peace, and, and, we, and, and everybody looks for that. They go through extreme measures 
to find this word peace. And it's an enduring, uh, underlying sense that it's all going to be okay. And God gives us eternal peace. He gives us that's for to be peace with him forever. He's not going to take that away. The prince of peace, which uh, Pastor Mark Anthony read from Isaiah 9. He's the prince of it. He's the God of peace, Paul referred to. And so he's not taking that back. And, and so we have that, uh, that uh, everlasting, that eternal. And then we have that in, empowering, that peace within. So I have peace with God, but also peace within. There are many people that are looking for that, trying to go. They're unsettled, and God wants to settle us in who he is and what he has for us. And then we also have that endearing peace that after I get it this way and I've got it in here, I get to go this way. And I get to share the peace with other people. Matter of fact, Paul said in Romans 12, as much as depends on me and you, we're to live at peace with all people. And then the week after was hope where Pastor Mark Anthony gave us this thing of this beautiful illustration of looking at two women who were having struggles with pregnancies that had to go through that and the hope that they had to walk in and walk through. We look at it now and we read it like, oh, isn't that sweet? But if you're a young girl in your early teens, this is children's church, y'all. We good. I love it. Woo! Y'all, y'all see that online, man? He went, <laughs> come on, give that young man. He is ready. <laughs> You're good, Richard. We good, man. You are. <laughs> he has found his, his calling. He is ready. He's going to do the pews next if we had them. But anyhow, so, so we found out when these two mothers that it, it wasn't so sweet and nice with a young girl being told, hey, guess what? You're going to have a baby. And Mary had to inform the angel, hey, I don't know if you know biology or not, or I don't know if you know how this thing works, Mr. Angel, because you've never lived the human experience, but I've never been with a man. That's impossible. And so Mary starts to give uh, the angel a biology lesson but the angel, she said, but be it according to how you say it. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And that thing of hope saying, no matter what's going on, Lord, I experience and I live in your hope. And your hope lives in me. So hope, help, uh, hope helps us hold on even when we don't have the strength within ourselves to do so. We have, we have a God of hope. That's what he's called also, may the God of hope. So we have a God of peace. We have a God of hope. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm looking at all, at all your eyes and going, whoa. <laughs> I've got peace. I've got hope. And the, God, the God of love. He's called the God of love. It's not what he does. It's who he is. He is peace. He is hope. He is love. And that overwhelming sense that it's not based, your worth, my worth, is not based on what I do. It's God's love that brings my worth to me. And he gives me that worth, and I celebrate that. And then today, what a beautiful example is, he's the God of joy as well. 
He is the God of joy. Can you imagine a lot of people for some reason, and I get it, it's through history and through church tradition where, you know, we, it's very somber and solemn. And Jesus, you know, they think that Jesus never smiled, that he never laughed, and that God, this God of joy, that it was almost like he was solemn and somber, like, um, And he'd walk around, you know, and he's like, and I just want to tell you, I, I, I was the children's pastor here for 15 years. I did nursery up to college age. And I want to tell you, I know a little bit about children. They aren't generally drawn to those type of people. I mean, a child, when you got this person going, with a scowl, and he's, the kids go, they were drawn to him. And I have no doubt it's because he was like, Hey, y'all, I am comfortable in who I am. Matter of fact, when they tried to deny him, they thought it was very sacrilegious to let a kid approach this man, this teacher, this rabbi. And he says, hold on, y'all. Y'all got this mixed up. He grabbed one and said, let me teach you what it's like. He grabbed, he grabbed one of the children. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like one of these. <laughs> like y'all are looking for this, but the kingdom of heaven is like this. Because he was teaching them about trust. He was teaching them about reliance. He was teaching them about, hey, they're just free. They just love. They're able to go. And somehow we messed that up. And so Jesus, the God of joy, this, this man that brought full of joy. Then, and and it even says in Luke 2, 18 through 15, I love this part of the Christmas story. We've read different parts. This part is the first announcement publicly so privately an angel spoke to mary and privately an angel spoke to joseph but it wasn't it wasn't broadcasted it was like mary 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 did you know <laughs> you know i love that song no she didn't i don't think she knew everything but she said i'm willing and told joseph too an angel also spoke which we looked at in the hope where zachariah you know, Elizabeth's husband was like, hey, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> and he's like, what? That's impossible. He's, okay, well, just because of that, you don't get to say anything until he's born. Thank you very much. You didn't believe. Anyhow, this is the first public announcements, and it's not to somebody you, would, you thought, hey, I need to go tell these people. So like this morning, many of you were probably texting Merry Christmas, or you're sending Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Well, when the angels decided to say, Merry Christmas, <laughs> wasn't that yet? Look where they went to. And then Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, and there were shepherds. Shepherds. Where were they at? Living out in the fields nearby. They weren't even allowed in town because they were smelly. I mean, we, I know we do our little Christmas pageant and Christmas plays, and you get these little guys, and they're sitting here with these cute, overgrown little things, and they're on there, and some of them that drop their staff, or they're just messing with them. And, you know, we got these little cute ones and dressed up, and, you know, they're sitting there, and it's so sweet. Back in that day, they, they weren't known for that. They were like the outcasts. They were the ones that, hey, they did the dirty work. They, it, 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 it was where they did the, uh, the dirty job, so to speak, of their day. They're out in the field watching over their flocks at, at night. And in verse 9, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So these angels show up, 
and this glory. And I can only imagine, because we know here, I've taught it, we'll go over it again, I'm sure, the kabod, this weightiness of all of who God is. When it says this glory, I can't even imagine, but it was this awe. Because these men who were fearless, who dealt with all types of wild beasts, dealt with all types of other shepherds trying to steal their sheep, dealt with all types of stuff. It says, and they were terrified. Now, how many know if the roughest people you know get terrified, you go, there's a reason. And that's because it wasn't, it was ominous. It was this powerful angel showing up and the glory of God shows up with them. And it says, but the angel said to them, they noticed, they recognized the terror, the fear. Do not be afraid. And he says, they say this. Uh, the angel says this, I bring you good, no, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's all of us. He said, I'm bringing good news so that of great joy. That's what he says. This is, the, this is where Linus, if you've ever watched Charlie Brown in the Christmas story, this is what he recites right there. I bring, uh, don't be afraid, I bring good news, with, which is a cause for great joy all, all, for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. And he's saying, you, 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 you. And they're sitting there going, me? me? Whoa. We're shepherds. What? But they believed it, and they were so moved by it. He said, this will be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And they went from terror to say, I got to go tell. They went from terror to I got to tell. Matter of fact, in 13, it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those of whom his favor rests. And it says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's Go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they went from terror, experienced this, this supernatural encounter. And as you study scripture, I want to say this. Yet have I studied in scripture when human flesh comes in, in, in contact with divine heavenly beings. It's always... You look at Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean lips living among unclean people. You look at it, they, in, in Revelation, when John saw the Revelation, he, found, he fell down as though he were dead. He's like, I can't, this flesh can't handle that. And so, but they, they withstood it, the angels affirmed them, confirmed them, and they took off and said, we got to go tell somebody what we've just been told and what we've experienced. And so, this thing of joy, this thing of, hey, this is what it is. If you look up joy in the... Um, in the New Testament, it's in the Old, actually it's all through Scripture. It was a joy for God to make us. And let me say, we have a Father that loves to share His joy with us. I mean, think about all the parents right now. Think right now, whether they're believers, unbelievers, agnostic, atheists, wherever they are, Buddhist, Muslim, it don't matter what religion they ascribe to right now. Think of every kid that opened something, that got something, that was sitting here going, They were sitting here going, they weren't, they, they didn't know about, they don't even have to know about Jesus. They're just experiencing this, this feeling of exuberance, excited about what's taking place. Now, you and I both know that it's because of Christ. We wouldn't have, without Christ, we don't have Christmas. But this thing of joy, it, it, in the New Testament, 
It's over 90 times it's mentioned, and it's, it's literally, it's, it's chara, and it's living in the awareness of grace and favor. In other words, it's joy is grace recognized and lived out through our lives. Like we recognize, and I like to put it this way, none of us, if we were to be honest, God doesn't owe us anything, but has given us everything. And many times it's church people that are the ones that are the least joyful because they feel like God's done them wrong or he's given them a bad deal or he's done something. And I just want to say, this is where today as we dive into this, we're going to look at three things really quick. And I've called them this. I've, I've studied and I was going over racking my book. I've called them joy robbers and joy restorers. I, I could have said, hey, they're joy stealers and, and, uh, and joy healers. Uh, I could have done any number of things, but I've, I, I landed on joy robbers and joy restorers here at Christmas. And, and so when we look at Jesus coming, the Prince of Peace, coming on, taking flesh, this God of love, this God of peace, this God of joy, taking on our human nature and walking in our human experience, there are, there's one very real joy robber that all of us deal and have in common with, and that is circumstances. Circumstances. All of us go through things that we don't want, that we don't like, that we didn't ask for. Some of them, they are a direct result of our choices. We can't say all circumstances are beyond our control because of them. Some of them, we have controlled them very well, and we get that, and we do something, and, it, and we experience it, and then we're like, oh, no, this has robbed me. I love what James chapter 1, the brother of Jesus, who had to come to the realization that his older brother was indeed the Messiah, the anointed one. And so when, when we look at James 1, verse 2, it says, James says it this way, consider it pure joy. What? Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or circumstances of many kinds. And let me just say, we go through many different kind of trials and circumstances, and none are the same because none of us are the same. Yes, there's similarities, but if you look at them, we go through circumstances. It doesn't matter if you're poor or rich. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. It doesn't matter um, if you're short or tall. It doesn't matter if you got blonde hair or brown hair. It doesn't matter if your skin, any color of your skin. It doesn't matter the color of your eyes. It doesn't matter healthy or sick, extrovert, introvert. It doesn't matter any of those things we all go through these struggles and these trials, these circumstances. And I know many of us wish, well, if my circumstance would change, then I could have joy. Or if I had it their life, it'd be better. And I promise you, if we put all of our stuff in one big pile and we said, okay, let me see, which one am I going to choose? More than likely, you're going to go, I'll, I'll go ahead and take mine on back now. Thank you. I'm just going to, you go ahead and have yours. I'll keep mine. I thought I had it bad, but Oh, Jesus, thank you. And so when we look at the first one being circumstances, we've got to be careful that we don't allow our circumstance to control us, but we allow us, God, to help us in the midst of them. And we'll look at the joy restore that in just a minute. The second joy robber that is very prevalent today, and it's because of these little devices right here. And it's because of the internet. It's called comparison. Comparison. So we look online and we look at everybody posting everything of everybody and notice it's always like right now, 
If you go on Facebook, everybody's going to have their most beautiful picture in their most beautiful setting. Like, You know how I know? Because we took some pictures last night at my in-law, my father-in-law with, with that side of the family. And, hey, hey, no, uh, take another one. Take another one. I don't look good in that picture. <laughs> oh, no, no, you got to take another one. That is not a good one. I do not want that getting out. <laughs> then we pulled an album, a family album. We started going through some old photos and looking at some of those. And we went, wow. <laughs> Wow. Of course, I looked at them and said, man, that looked good. Man, that was 30 years ago. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Some of us know how that feels too. But if we're not careful, what we do is we scroll online and we're scrolling all of these devices. And we're looking at it and saying, everything says, you got to be this way. You, you're supposed to be eternally happy. There's no room for sorrow. Look, everybody on here is happy. They show the best that they eat, shows the best they wear, shows the best of everything. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow that comparison to cause us to do that. We bought into the lie that somehow we are supposed to be happy at all times. And that's just not life. It's just not real. Yes, God does give us joy, but it's not, it's not a fleeting or a flimsy feeling. It's an inner knowing. And then the third one is, is confusion. So there's many others, but for time's sake and today, we've got circumstances, comparison, and confusion. And if you look at it, at the garden, it was the very first thing that the enemy hit Adam and Eve with. He got them confused in who they were and who God was. Because he said, did God really say? He got them to question what God said. And in their confusion, they began to look and said, well, yeah, he said we could eat of all the trees, but we can't eat of that tree. And he got them confused, and then he said, well, no. He knows that when you eat of it, that you'll know good from evil, and you'll be like him. The fact is, they were already like him. They were made in his image. You and I were made in his image. We're made in his likeness. We're the only thing that carry the, we're image bearers, the only thing on this planet that God said, I'm going to make just like me. I'm going to make it in my image and my likeness. And so as we look at that, he got them confused and who they were and who God was. And it's the same thing today in our culture where the enemy wants to get confused. If you look around in our culture today, people confused about their gender. They're confused about their relationships. They're confused in, in, in every area. In, 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 the, in the mental, in the spiritual, in the emotional, in every area of life, the enemies come to bring confusion. So then we begin to get robbed of joy. But God, in his grace and mercy, said, you know what? I'm not going to leave you there. And so he gave us these joy restorers. And so the first joy restorer is this. It, I've got something I can do about it. And that is renew my commitment. If I'm going to restore my joy, I've got to go back to the beginning. I've got to restore my commitment. And I've got to look at what am I committed to. And better yet, who am I committed to? What am I committed to doing? What, what am I spending my time? Where am I most putting my time and effort in? And so that means this. So if, if I'm sitting here going, hold, if I'm just looking at my circumstances, and all I do is meditate on how much money I do or don't have, you know, what relationship I do or don't have, if I look at, hey, my height, if I look at all the different things, what happens is I stop and I start looking at good and evil and I forget about God. I love what Romans 12, 1, 
Paul wrote to the church at Rome. You talk about an area where, hey, circumstances were rough. Here's a, here's a, a major metropolis in his day, Paul's day, where there was every kind of idol worship, every type of immorality. It was all there. And Paul said, hey, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. So before I try to do anything, before I try to pray, I say, Lord, here. Man, things have gotten way overwhelming. Things have come at me and they weigh heavily. And I'm like, I restored God. Here, I give it to you. Let me go back to the beginning, the first day. It also says in Revelations, we're not turning there. Restoring back to your first love. Go back and do the first thing. The first thing is recommitting. Lord, here we go. I renew my commitment. He goes on to say, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world because that will bring confusion. It says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The second joy restore is this. Refuse to compare myself. I refuse to compare myself to anybody else. Let me say to everybody here and those online, there has never, ever, ever, ever been another you in the history of the world. Never. You are a masterpiece. You are a one and only. There has never been anybody just like you, ever. You need to let that sink in just a minute before you try to be like everybody else. Because God said, man, I don't need some. I got you. I want you. And so when we look and compare ourselves, like now granted, I mean, we can glean and say, I, I can learn and we can draw from each other. But to simply say, hey, many people compare and say, oh, I, I want that. I, I wish I had that. I want that gift. Oh, I want this. I want, I want that influence. I want that. And instead of saying, God, thank you. You've given me me. You help me be the best version of me, not a version of somebody else. And we've got to be careful because if we start comparing ourselves to everybody else, we'll become that version. We'll look at it and go, I'm not happy with that either. <laughs> so my encouragement, your joy restorer, go back to David, who was a pioneer in the Old Testament, who dealt with a lot of struggles, many that he caused his own self. And he said this in Psalms 139, for you create, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And that's not just physically. We're talking about emotionally, socially, all of those gifts. He put those together. And he says, to, he goes on to say, you did that. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Many people don't know that. They're sitting there looking at because they look at their life and they say, it's, it's, it's never going to get better. God, you can't do it. It's like God say, no, if you'll lean on me, if you'll glean from me, if you'll allow me to be me and you and allow me to speak to you instead of you having all planned out, I promise you, he said that, that he'll be the one that demonstrates how wonderfully and fearfully made you are. He goes on to say, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And it says this, he goes on, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. 
How vast is the sum of them? He goes on to say, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Listen, many people think God's thoughts toward them, he's sitting with a lightning bolt with your name on it, and he's waiting to spank you. Now, granted, many of us, we've given him a reason to spank us. Don't get me wrong. And he does bring correction. But ultimately, he looks at you and goes, that's my boy. That's my girl. He created us in his image, his likeness. And David understood that. He said, how precious to me are your thoughts. That's one of the things. I don't worry. What, I don't compare myself with other people. I actually do that. And then third, final one. So I renew my commitment. I refuse to compare myself. And then number three is I have to realign my priorities. I've got to realign my priorities. I've got to say what's first, what's most important, what am I doing right now? You know what I have found? <laughs> I have found that some people live in what I call the Eeyore spirit. <laughs> like it's, it's the, oh well, never going to get better. Nothing's going to work. And I believe with all my heart, if we're not careful, what happens is we think, hey, let me, let me encourage you. Like I said a moment ago, we deserve to be spanked. We deserve to be kicked away. We deserve to be pushed away. We deserve that. But Jesus, that's what Christmas is about. God becoming just like us, dealing with every temptation, every struggle, every child, understanding the human experience from its most intimate point. And doing it well and saying, you know what? Yep, I see all of it. I've experienced all of it. I've taken the worst that man has to give. I've been beaten for nothing I did but good. He was beaten for our transgression. Everything we did, the chastisement of every sin we ever committed was put on him. And he said, while he's hanging there under that beaten, bloody state, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they got going on. They don't even know what they're doing. You ever been in a place where you didn't know what you were doing? Confused? It's time to realign our priorities. That's where Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says this. I close with this, and then we're going to take communion together here to celebrate the Lord. And those who are watching online, if you haven't done that, if you got some crackers, there might be some of that in the middle of all that sugar and cookies and cakes and all that celebration. You might want to get some of that and some juice. We'll be doing that in just a moment. But Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I love what the writer says here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Talking about Hebrews 11 where all the heroes of the faith had done it. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I got to realign my priorities. I got to look at what am I being weighed down? What is it? What thoughts? What emotions? What feelings? What attitudes? What activity is weighing me down the most? What am I doing that is bringing this weight upon me? He said, let us. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us, let me just say this, all of us have a tripping area. <laughs> all of us have areas that, mm, man, that, it's easy for you. And he said, hey, let us strip that away. And, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set for us. And he goes on to say, we do this by what? By keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Why? Because of the joy awaiting him. 
He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. What he's saying is, is like, hey, my priorities, I just say it this way. This is not my home. This is not your home. We're passing through. And if I allow that to weigh me down so much, I've got to say, Lord, I need to realign my priorities. I'm going to be with you forever. Help me to live this life. Like he said, he endured because of the joy awaiting him. It's called this delayed gratification. <laughs> Most of us don't like that word because we want it all now. That's what we celebrate. Many people, when they're not celebrating the joy, they're celebrating, I get what I want right now. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Jesus taught us this delayed gratification is a powerful thing. And so I think that, um, I think that as, as, as I look at Romans 15 and I close with the scripture and we're going to partake of communion, I think of how Paul wrote to the Roman church in Romans 15. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, this is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating more than just a baby. We celebrate a baby that grew up, a baby that gave his life, that looked at mankind, who said, you're worth dying for, who said, yep, I've seen all the worst, but I love you and I'm committed to you. And he was crucified, and this king who conquered the grave is the joy of the world. <laughs> Whoa, come on, we do it last. So here's what we're going to do. The men are going to, at this time, they're going to pass out communion. We're going to take that, and we will be available to pray with anybody that needs to. Um, we're not in a hurry. I know that some people have commitments that they need to get to. We're honoring, respectful of that. That's why we've done it this way. Thank you, Joe. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Mark Anthony if he would start with the bread after y'all get this thing. And if you'll go ahead, there's a little seal on the top. Many of you know that. And you've had to struggle with that with us. <laughs> See, some of you are smiling and laughing. Going, yeah, I've done that before. It's just a little film over the top. All right, well, great. So um, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I think on this Christmas morning, here we are. Um, today's Christmas, the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. I think about this truth about the nature and about the character of God, that it was not in God's will that God be without us. God willed to be with us. And he willed it so much that he was willing to become like us. It's, he, it's, it's really interesting to look at, oh man, was G, you know, Jesus being God, but think about God being Jesus. Human, person, and so, so here, as we take this, this, this representation of the, of the life and the body of Jesus broken for us, we call to remembrance that God willed to be with us. And on this day, we celebrate him 
entering into a human existence. And this is a reminder of what that human existence ultimately brought him to the place of his body being broken for us. And so we remember the son that was given to us and what his sacrifice means for us. It is life for each and every single one. Let's take and eat. And so God, we thank you that you came to be Emmanuel, God, with us. And that you desire to be amongst us. And so, Lord, we take joy and we rejoice um, knowing that you are with us through every high and through every low. In Jesus' name. It also goes on to say, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new, is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And let me say, as we do this, y'all, one drop, one drop of Jesus' blood would have been enough to do everything. One drop would have done it. But he didn't stop with one drop. He gave it all so that we could have it all. He said, look, I want to demonstrate to you what this looked like. I'm not just going to prick my finger. There, it's covered. I've done it. He said, no, I'm going to give my very life. And I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm literally going to allow them to pierce me, to bruise me, to beat me, so that we could have all that heaven has to offer us. He gave his life so we could have that life. And so as you partake and drink of this, he said, do this remembering that his blood paid for every sin we have committed Every sin we commit and every sin we will ever commit, it's all covered in the blood of Jesus. Take all and drink. Father, I thank you that the appointed time that, Lord, you chose to send your son, Lord, is full payment for our mistakes, for our, uh, for our sin. And, Lord, I thank you that this morning as we celebrate the birth, we also celebrate all that that birth represents, all that your life represents, Jesus. And we thank you that, Lord, you didn't leave us here as orphans, but, Lord, you welcome us as sons and daughters so that we get to participate with you in all the activity of heaven. We get, we, get a, uh, we get a peace that we don't deserve. We get a hope that we didn't work for. We get a love that we didn't, we didn't earn in any way, and we get a joy, Lord, that that transcends our own understanding and our, transcends our own circumstances. And so, Lord, I pray that, that your peace, your hope, your love, and your joy would be a, in abundance in every person here watching, those here in the service, those online watching and watch later. Lord, let your life, Lord, infuse every heart, every mind, every spirit. Lord, I thank you for doing it. Jesus, it's in your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's do this. I want you to stand up with me at this time. You, if you want, the ushers are going around and they have little containers. You can place the cups there. I do want to bless you. I want to thank you for coming out. I know uh, that, that you could be sleeping. You could be in your jammies right now. You could be cuzzled up and drinking hot chocolate, and that's no slight on you right there that are watching us doing that. Like, gotcha, Pastor. <laughs> no slight on you whatsoever. 
But thank you all for coming out and thank you all for joining us online. I want to bless you right now and I want you to have the best day of your life. Like I said, I will be here available and others will make ourselves available. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be here. If you open your hands and receive from your heavenly Father. Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. That your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to every one of you, those in this auditorium and those online, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace, his power, his provision, and his protection. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you, everyone. Merry Christmas.